0: The set-aside prayer. God, please set aside everything I think I know about you, God. The steps, recovery, the big book, what's best for me, what's best for others. Especially help me let go of all my old ideas so I can live on your truth. Heavenly Father, thank you for your grace and mercy on me. Help me to carry your message today. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, we have spent several meetings on resentment, purpose of the fourth step, and at least two or three on resentment. We're going to finish resentment today. I want to clarify a few things. I Actually, listened to the one I did Wednesday, because I wasn't sure if it made any sense. And actually, I, I got a lot out of it. Uh, But I said a couple things. I said, well, normal people can be in resentment and self. And I said, that's okay. What's not okay for them. What I meant is that we have to look at this as alcoholics people who are self will run riot. And we don't like it when it's that way. And we treat it with alcohol, drugs, other addictions. I don't know what normal people do. They're probably just miserable. But we don't like to be miserable too long. And so uh, for us, it's we read it's fatal. And I was listening to Romans today. And I realized that we don't have to be in bondage to self. We ask God to remove, release, remove us from, release us from the bondage self, don't we, in the third step prayer? But uh, we don't have to be that way anymore with God. And so uh, bondage can be seen as a choice. Do I choose to separate from God or not? Because God will let me separate. And remember, the people who wrote this book were Christians. They were believers and the fellowship started in the Oxford group, but they wanted to find a way of living so they didn't have to be in bondage to self. And Paul in Romans talks about that we have that freedom now. And if we're in bondage to self, uh, what are the manifestations of that that we have to look at so we know when we're in bondage to self? And that's what the fourth step is really all about. It's not some long analysis of my life and all, confession of all my sins or any of that. It's looking at the at when I'm in bondage to self, what's happening? And resentment is when I'm in bondage to self and I'm in bondage to my wrong judgment. I'm seeing things wrong because I'm in self and I'm a slave to my self-will. Think about that. And when I'm in a slave to self-will I'll see things that are happening that I judge as being wrong. And resentment is just wrong judgment. It's it's anger, it's wrong judgment. And we have to learn to see it differently through God's eyes. And the other thing that we inventory in step four is fear, which is a wrong belief when I'm in self and I'm in bondage to fear when I'm in it. Anybody be in fear? Is that good? I'm not reading from the book yet. So don't worry what page we're on. I do move around, but I'm just in general giving a review. And then we're in bondage to our reactions to things and people when we're in self and we do harmful things. So we're going to look at our, our wrong judgment, wrong belief and our wrong actions in relationships and try to make a sane sex ideal for relationships. And you can be for other relationships as well with family and whatever. And really resentment and wrong judgment, I'm not forgiving the other person. And somebody mentioned acceptance today. And one of the things we learn in resentment is that it's, it starts all of our problems. We're spiritually ill. And when we're spiritually ill, it's because we're in self, we're not with God, and we have a spiritual illness of self-centeredness. And so we list them on paper, and we list what we thought these people or institutions did. And then we realize we're never gonna have wrong judgment unless we're threatened. We have a fear. Are they gonna take away uh, something that I think I need sexually, materially, or socially? And he talks about our, our self-esteem is threatened, our pride, our pocketbooks, our ambitions, our personal relationships, and now I'm on the bottom of page 64. And we get th- hurt or threatened. Now, threatened, and we're hurt because we, we we're not seeing it, th- they're hurting us in some way, but they're really not. We're choosing to be hurt. We're choosing to be threatened. Why? Because I'm running the world. So when I'm running the world to solve my instincts, I'm in trouble. Who should be running the world? God, we decide that in step three. Now we're gonna see how when we run the world, we're threatened and we get uh, resentment and anger. And he talks about our security, our pride, our personal relationships. And then it says at the bottom, they give three good examples So at the bottom. I'm just reviewing now we're gonna consider these first three columns carefully. We're not talking about the fourth, quote, fourth column that people talk about. We're not talking about confessing our sins or any of this stuff. We're just looking at, at these, this resentment. And it's, we say that it's apparent that these people were wrong and they hurt us and we got sore and, and we fought to get our way. But even if we won, it was short lived. And then on page 66 through 67 is really I think the key to the whole program. Because we have to see how now we're talking about serious resentments when you come in here. But if you think about your whole life, there are a lot of people and things that made you angry. You can go back to elementary school, you know, how somebody treated you or the teacher or relatives. And I hear a lot about mother did this and dad did that and all this stuff. And but if you think about there's deep resentments that we have, but there are other resentments because all resentments are fatal. Now, we're going to use this information. And this is what some people don't understand to live every day so that we can be at peace with God and not in conflict with everybody and everything. So I need to use the tools that I'm going to talk about and review again today. If I go to the food store and I have to wait in line too long, or my wife just won't stop nagging me. And now I just say, well, she will stop talking. You get it instead of getting upset, she will stop talking. That's in the book somewhere. Uh, Don't tell her she never listens to these. So that's okay. She doesn't nag that much. She's great. I, I drive her crazy. I mean, we have to see the truth of our resentment, right? You know, uh, she wouldn't nag me if I didn't need it. Uh, I'm getting off here. But uh, you go to work. You don't like the way somebody's doing something or somebody's treating you. Or, you know, you see you're in conflict a lot and you have to use these same tools immediately so that you can have God at once step in and stop this wrong judgment. And when you're with God, you'll see it differently. They won't be wrong anymore. They're just going to be who they are, accepting people as they are. They're all spiritually ill. They're doing the best they can. Some are worse than others, but they are who they are, and I cannot get disturbed by them. I I have a choice now that they are who they are, and I can ask God to change the way I see them so that they don't have power over me. And this is called the process of forgiveness. And we, in AA, I heard somebody, famous AA speaker, Sandy B, says in AA, we forgive everything up to and including crucifixion. We just forgive. That doesn't mean we excuse behavior, but we forgive them. The process of forgiveness is for me. It's not for them. It's for me so that they don't have power over me. Do you see that? And and God will forgive me as I forgive them. Because I'm spiritually ill too. Anybody else? And we need it. But God says he will forgive me if I forgive them. Now, if I don't forgive them, I'm blocked from God. So I can't receive his forgiveness. And and then we can't begin to make amends in 8 and 9 if we still are hating these people. And then once we forgive them, then we can see the truth of it. So the quote, the fourth column is, what is the truth of this? And, and actually, the first three columns, when I go through it with people, we just look at the resentment and see, is it really true? You know, there's always mother and father, and they were so horrible, and they did this and that. And I say, well, you know, mother carried you in her belly for nine months. She changed your diaper. She made dinner every night. She made sure you went to school. I mean, mother was just mother. She did the best she could. I had some resentments against my mother. I thought that she caused my low self-esteem. Well, it may have been true or not, but mother had low self-esteem. And mother was just mother, she was great. And so it sets you free. You're free from the bondage of self when you work uh, this step the way it is in the big book. And it warns us that on page 66, that if I have a life which includes deep resentments, it's futile and unhappy. And it can be unhappy today. If I have an unhappy day, whose fault is it? Me. Because I'm judging something that is unacceptable. Or I have some fear about something that is unacceptable will happen to me, that hasn't happened yet. And it's futile and unhappy. So happiness is, is basically a choice in AA. And happiness just means that you accept things as they are And that's the way it is. And how do I deal with them, God? And it's not good or bad. Things are just circumstances. And so when I'm seeing something as a problem, I have a resentment. And why? Because I'm in bondage to me and what I want. And it's not fun. And it says to the precise extent, to the precise extent that I permit these wrong judgments, I permit them. I squandered the hours that might have been worthwhile. How much did my life did I squander in fear and resentment? I I was not okay very much. I was either in fear or judgment, and and I had peace at times, and I wasn't a a worse mess than anybody else who's in the room or listening to me, but it's the way we lived. And I don't wanna live that way anymore. And I didn't know that I could because I couldn't even see it till I started doing the steps out of the book. So if you're an alcoholic, and this is the difference between, I don't know what normal people need, but if I'm an alcoholic whose hope is the maintenance and growth of a spiritual experience, this business of resentment, wrong judgment, being in bondage to self is infinitely grave. And if you don't know what that means, we found it's fatal. Now I had some discussion on the site about the spiritual axiom and whether it's really true that no matter what the cause, if I'm disturbed, there's something wrong with me. And I've had people argue and say no and Auschwitz and this and that and all that. But I was thinking about, we had a little discussion, we forgive. We forgive. These people are who they are. We don't accept them. We're not excusing them. But we we have to forgive them. So we are not blocked. And so if I'm disturbed, no matter what the situation, I, I'm the one who's disturbed. And I'm disturbed because I don't like what's going on. And I can't do the serenity prayer if I'm still disturbed. And we believe in the serenity prayer, so I ask God to give me serenity, peace, so I'm not disturbed. So if I'm disturbed, I say, God, give me serenity, so then I can see what I need to accept and see what I need to change. And we're not saying that things that happen by other people aren't bad or, or, or wrong, but we, we have to forgive them and love them and excuse them. Because guess what? We're sinners too. And we're all spiritually ill. And so we want to be forgiven. So we need to forgive them. And it's, it's it, it works for me. If I'm disturbed, there's something wrong with me and no matter what the cause. And and the the ability to work these few paragraphs has given me the power to get undisturbed quickly. Now, that doesn't mean I do it all the time because I'm alcoholic, but I do it quicker than I used to. And the longer I do this, I do it very quickly because I don't want to be disturbed. So it says, when I harbor such feelings, when I put a feeling of this negative judgment or anger or whatever we want to call it. And I harbor it in my brain. I shut myself off from the sunlight of the spirit. Now, what is the sunlight of the spirit? It's God. It's a capital S. And I live in the darkness. And if you read the New Testament, it talks about we don't want to live in the darkness anymore. We want to live in the light. And we live in the light when we're with God. We're not perfect, but we're with him. And then we were taught that somebody came who was the light of the world. So we don't have to live in darkness anymore. And I don't want to be in the darkness anymore because if I am the insanity of alcohol returns. Anybody know what that is. It means you decide that it's okay to drink and you tell yourself it's okay which is insane. And you can only think about what it's going to do for you not to you because you're in this terrible self-centered state that your mind seeks the ease and comfort of alcohol. That's why most people who come in here don't make it. And they don't make it because they don't do these three pages. They don't even understand it. They're not committed to it. They're not doing it with someone else and doing it all the time. I heard somebody say if you do everything and how it works and in the action, you keep repeating it all the time, you won't drink again. I believe that. Why? Not because you're great. You don't get a certificate. It's because you're, you're seeking God all the time. You're looking at when your thinking's wrong. You're looking at when you're separated. And it says, with us to drink is to die. Now you can die as a sober alcoholic and be miserable and not drink. And I don't, I don't want that for me. We call that emotional sobriety. Physical sobriety is very important. But emotional sobriety is what we're seeking. This ability to get undisturbed. This ability to use the power of God to help me see things differently. The ability to to say, okay, Michael, you're in the wrong place right now. You need to go to God and change it. Does this make sense? And so it says, if you're gonna live, so does anybody wanna live? Raise your hand. Everybody wants to live. Great, you've gotta do three columns to live. It's not that complicated. We had to be free of anger, free of anger. Now, I've heard people say, well, I could be angry for five minutes or 30 seconds. I had somebody pound the table and say they don't get angry and storm out of the room one night. That was a, that was a special moment in my recovery. Uh, but I wanna be free of its power over me. It doesn't mean that I'm not gonna see something and say, oh, gee, you know. But once I start, I could be free of that with God. Now I can't do this on my own and say I'm going to do better every day. I did that for a long time. It never worked. But I didn't have these tools. Now that I have these tools, um, they've become part of my life. And some people could call that maybe the Holy Spirit is now working, because you've given power to allow it to work. It's always there and it says if you the grouch and the brainstorm now brainstorm is rage were not for us they may be the dubious luxury of normal men we don't know about normal people we're talking about alcoholics people who are like us it's the dubious luxury of normal men that means questionable but for alcoholics these things are poison now remember we all have this fear at least i do i can't speak for you but i had a fear my whole life that i wasn't good enough my fear of, I wanted approval. I wanted people to like me and this and that because I was looking at the outside world to make me feel okay. And when I did that, I made people in the outside world my higher power. And I, I, would, get, I would get there for a while and then, and then I, the fear would come in or I would get wrong judgment or wrong belief, you see. And what I realize now is that ex- that a fear of not being good enough, that fear of wanting approval, was really the fear that God didn't love me. And I didn't realize that till I heard this lady talk. She went through all of her fears. And so now that I know God loves me, I really don't have to have fear of approval because I can get God's approval. So I want God to approve of me by doing esteemable acts and following his will. God will love me no matter what. I know that now. But I'll feel better about myself when I feel like I'm doing God's will. Does that make sense? So the self esteem doesn't come from whether you think I'm great. It comes from whether I'm loving you, whether I'm serving God and and you in the world. And that's a big difference. I didn't know that when I came in here. So you're going to turn to the list. Three columns. How hard can that be? 25 names. You don't have to put down everybody you're ever angry at. For it held the key to our future. You think they're serious here? And so how many people in AA have heard this read at a meeting? Very few. This is the key to your future. Everybody can do three columns. And you have to do it with somebody. We're prepared to look at it from an entirely different angle, because I'm seeing it wrong. I have wrong judgment, why? Because I'm in bondage to me. So I want to see it from a different angle. When I'm in bondage to God, how does God see this situation? How does God help me see these people? And I began to see that the world its people really dominate us, now that's the key. I want God to direct my my life. Everybody says that in Step 3, right? We hug and kiss and sing Kumbaya. But then immediately, we're back itself. And the world and the people dominated me. They were my higher power. Anybody been angry recently about something? And then you're sitting in your chair and you're angry about it. (coughs) And the truth is that the person you're angry at doesn't give a crap. They're home watching TV. You're sitting in your chair angry at them. How's that working for you? See how futile it is? It's silly. And and they dominate, in that state, the wrongdoing of others, whatever I thought they did wrong, fancied or real, because most of the time it's not even true, had the power to actually kill you. It kills you when you're in this. Why? Because we're blocked from God. We are dead spiritually. And if we're dead spiritually and you're a real alcoholic, you're really in danger of drinking again. How could we escape? Isn't that a good question? We saw that these resentments must be mastered, but how? And I can't master them. I can't write it down and get smart and better. I don't want to know more about myself. I know enough. It's all bad. I know all my character defects, you get it? That won't fix me. But how? I could not wish them away any more than alcohol. So this is what they did. So if you want to be free of anger, not be infinitely grave, not fatal situation, not have a life of futility and unhappiness, not permit these things in your head, squander the hours worthwhile. If you want to maintain and grow with the spiritual experience, here's what they did. Now, you don't have to do this, but it works for me. I had to realize the people who wronged me in my head were perhaps spiritually ill. Now, you know what spiritually ill means for now? They're human beings, because Paul says we all have a sinful nature. We're all spiritually ill, every human being. Though we know, di- some people think they're more spiritually ill than others or less, less spiritually ill than others. They're really ill. <laughs> you get it? Because then they're judging, you're a lot sicker than I am. And, and you hear that at AA. I'm getting off the track here. I'm going to go too long. But uh, people, a person will come in and say, well, you know, I didn't have a DUI. And I still have a wife, and I said, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm better than that one. Well, that's just, that's just alcoholism. We're all sinners. We're all spiritually ill. And the sooner I recognize that the person that I'm upset is with is just doing the best they can. That's just who they are. They're not doing that to ruin my day. Though we didn't, they, they, they may be. Now, let's say they are. I don't have to allow them to ruin my day. See, I don't have to allow people's behavior to determine my relationship with God and how I feel about situations. Because remember, when my son died, we're going to get to it uh, maybe Wednesday, it says that... Um, it says we're in the role to play God's will, right? To the extent that we do as I think he would have me, to the extent that I do as I think God, God would have me do, and I humbly rely on God. You get it? I'm doing God's will. I'm humbly relying on him. Does he enable me to match calamity with serenity? Your son can die. And you can have some serenity with it doesn't mean you're sad, not sad, and you don't have grief. But you don't have to be angry at him or whatever. You can have serenity with it. And I saw that line In my head, I was down the stairs, I got the call from the ER that he had died, and I saw that line. Who put that in my head? God. Now, I wouldn't have seen it if I hadn't studied the book, and I hadn't worked the steps, and I had a relationship with God, and I didn't realize that I was doing all that, so at that moment, he could come in and he could help me. And I got through it, and I still am sad about it, but it's it's different than, than seeing it and through really angry eyes and self eyes he it just happened it happened to him he was powerless it's just the way it is. and and um and my wife said well you know he could have lived 20 more years of misery and and have killed someone or himself you know something like that we just don't know but it, he was powerless and it happened And so, though we did not like their symptoms, you may not like what they're doing and the way they disturb us because we don't want to be disturbed, right? They like ourselves, I am sick too, you get it? So I have to say, well, you know, I'm probably on a lot of people's resentment list. You get it? And when I'm angry at somebody, maybe I'm not doing the best behavior and I'm making them angry at me. You get it? It says, did not we set the ball rolling when we're in self and we make decisions on self? So here's the first prayer. Whenever I'm disturbed, I ask God, I say, God, help me to show them the same tolerance, pity, and patience that I would cheerfully grant a sick friend. Whole change in attitude. God give me tolerance, pity, and patience that I would cheerfully grant a sick friend. Why? Because they're ill and I'm ill too. One, that's number one. Second prayer is when a person offends, somebody offends me, I'm going to say, this is a sick man. And I'm going to say, God, how can I be helpful to them? You're immediately going, remember on page 84, it says, we immediately turn our thoughts to others, to those we can help, away from ourselves. Then here's the third prayer that's really important. God save me from being angry. It's just in three lines here on the top of page 67. Well, I need to be saved from my anger. I don't need to worry about them or pray for them. That may be true, but that's not what the big book teaches here. It teaches I need to be saved from my anger. I don't need to worry about them or fix them. I need to fix the way I'm reacting to them. You see the difference? Because when I try to fix them, I just get worse. How God save me from my angry, thy will be done. Then it says, uh, avoid retaliation. So those are three prayers. And we don't retaliate or argue, it never works. We wouldn't trick seek people that way and they're never gonna change if they don't want to. If we do, we destroy our chance of being helpful. And I cannot be helpful to all people, isn't that true? Because they don't wanna be helped. But at least God, uh, here's the fourth prayer, God, show me how to take a kind and tolerant view of each and every one it's very similar to the prayer on page 84 that you're supposed to say every day for the family 83 it says we clean house with the family asking each morning in meditation that my creator show me the way of patience tolerance kindness and love towards them and i wrote in my book towards everybody because i want to tell you if i have a kind patient tolerant attitude and I encounter someone, it's, I have a shield to keep them from disturbing me. And if I bring love into every situation, I'm gonna handle it better. And isn't that what the St. Francis prayer is? What are you bringing in? Are you bringing love, kindness, tolerance, honesty, truth? Are you choosing to be understanding instead of understood? Are you choosing to be comforting rather than comfort, right? It's the whole St. Francis prayer. And that's the deal. You do the four prayers and then you're free of this bondage to self. Then, and I'll quickly just read this paragraph and I'll start with this next because I talk too long again, referring to our list again. So now you're looking at the list, you've forgiven, you said the prayers, you see them as who they are. Putting out of our minds the wrongs they had done. You don't care about those three columns anymore. I look at my own mistakes. What was my mistake in this whole situation? Well, one, it's always being inconsiderate. Two, it's being judgmental. Three, it's getting angry. Four, it's getting disturbed. Five, it's being intolerant. I'm impatient, I'm fearful, I'm envious. You get it? It's the left-hand side of our spiritual checklist. And then we ask ourselves, where had we been selfish, dishonest, self-seeking, or frightened? Though our situation not been entirely our fault, we tried to disregard the other person involved entirely. It's not about them anymore. Where was I to blame? The inventory is mine. I have to look at my bondage to self how I see things. When we saw our faults, we listed them, we placed them before us in black and white. We admitted our wrongs honestly and were willing to set the matter straight. And this is where you get your character defects and your, the cause, you to have the wrong judgment because when you're in self, you have certain character defects. And when you're in God, you have his character. When you're in self, you have self-centered character. And the whole point of AA is to practice God's character all day. And if you do that, you're gonna be a service to him and others, you're gonna be at peace. You're not gonna get too far off the beam all day long. You're gonna have tools. So when you start practicing your character, you say, wrong again, Michael, I don't wanna do that. I'm going to practice your character, God. Help me do it. All right, I'm going to shut up. Thank you, guys.